as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Space Odyssey. Welcome to the Enterprise. With all new adventures from the 24th century. With an all new Enterprise. This is nothing like any vessel I've seen before. And an all new crew. Starfleet veteran Captain Picard. Commander Riker. Executive Officer. Chief Medical Officer Crusher. And her brilliant son, Wesley. Lieutenant Commander Data, an android. The telepathic Troy. Security Officer Yar. Geordi, a man with unique vision and Klingon officer, Worf. Shields and deflectors up, sir. Go to yellow alert. Their continuing mission, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Let's see what's out there. Don't miss the all-new television adventures of Star Trek, the next generation. I was haunted by my past, but now I have a mission. I will do what needs to be done. Who are you looking for? Someone who has no one else to help her. To find the truth. What have you gotten yourself into, Jean-Luc? <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Push the red button. <laughs> Push the red button. Ramming speed. <laughs> right. For those who can't listen, there's a Skype or Zoom option that says the meeting is now being recorded and we are just scuffing at how cliche it sounds. Um, right. Hitting the big old red button, man, making sure it's, making sure it's ready. Absolutely. So, welcoming aboard for the Voyagers in a non-Peter Graves type narration voice, um, we got TikToker, track blogger, <sighs> Curtis Colon, how are you? Thank you, I appreciate it. We got track panelist and streamer Barbara McDonald, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. These are the voyages of a podcast that's gone into a different kind of twilight zone. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy, I'm excited. But seriously, we, we are covering the Next Gen Era, also known as the first spinoff in that not seemingly non-ending Roddenberry era and how we're going to talk about the careers, we're going to talk about the themes, we're going to talk about seasons and 
this place in pop culture and whether or not it's the best of all the spinoffs. Heated <laughs> discussion. Yeah, right. Trigger warnings ahead. Trigger warning. Feelings will be hurt. And right. people will be relo- relocated to other planets. And <laughs> hopefully we can beam, I don't know, uh, can we beam a COVID cure in this day and age? Hopefully there's something in the human replicator. If I had to pick a doctor, if I had to pick a doctor to be working on the, uh, on the, on the cure, I, I would, I would pick the, the I just, Mrs. Crusher, man. There you She's go. Determined. She's Nor- determined. Get Norse Okinawa and all those other guy people in there. <laughs> I'm telling you, they got the luxurious and the time. They'd be up to the lap of luxury on the, on the Enterprise D. Can you test it on Barclay first, just to be safe? That well, it, that's not just to be safe. That is not just to be safe. <laughs> right. No, no, that could go poorly. Right, you have to, you have to catch True. the man first. He'll put you in a holodeck. Have the crew over here holding you up. Yeah, true. Fair enough. So you know, man, talking about Barkley, oh. CNC is his, the person that right. Yeah, that too. But the man that uh, that plays him, I wish I knew his name. I should look him up. D- Dwight Schultz from Dwight Schultz, team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He played an amazing character. That's now this miraculously intelligent person that is oh, yeah. so insecure about what he knows and how he knows it. And he just like kind of stumbles, stumbles around everything he does, but at he the end of the day, it. his brilliance is unmatched. And it, I, I don't know. He's close to my heart. I love me. I'll, I'll throw hands at Barkley. Barkley is on my list of favorite people as well. I didn't appreciate him on my first watch tr- through as an eight-year-old, right? <laughs> I didn't, know, I didn't know what to make of him. I was like, okay, this yeah. is a secure guy. What, what's wrong with this guy? Right, I agree. Glad that isn't me. <laughs> Talk to the man. Why is he on the ship? Like, yeah, why, why, why did they put up with this guy? Was really what I was thinking. Yes, and it became crystal clear to me that there was something in the Star Trek future that was missing here. How folks who are a little bit different didn't necessarily land in my cl- in my my regular classroom when I was in eighth grade. Those right. people were somewhere else. But then exactly. In Star Trek future. People <laughs> who were a little bit different could contribute. Like, oh, I don't know, Jordy, for example. Uh, and a few others that I can think of. Um, uh, Jordy being uh, being born blind, uh, with exactly. the, having a, an artificial heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Miles O'Brien having PTSD. Mm-hmm. He he yep. he was one of the most real. He's my favorite character out of all the people. Oh yeah, Miles O'Brien. He's that. He's that. He's a he's a man's man. He was the main <laughs> connection to DS Nine, and then yeah, Worf kind of finalized that, and then it's like yeah, I mean. Oh, it made sense that all these yeah. guys can go anywhere at any time and the story can revolve around them. There's enough of an arc and it's not just the writers writing for the actor at that point. It is just there's enough of a character foreplay they can do with the interconnection with whatever's going on. And like I say, it is probably the biggest, this was definitely the first show where it's like, I'm down with to follow any of these people around. So, so I'm, I'm going to be a little honest, right? I started watching Star Trek during the pandemic last year. Started, started in September. Now, I will say this. I have watched nothing for the past year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but Star Trek and Star Trek related phenomenon. So okay. I, I've gone on like Star Trek and or like on YouTube and watched nothing but the uh, conventions that happen, all the little interviews and everything like that. It's oh, great stuff. Yo, man, it's been a lot of Trek. 
Wow. Curtis, you've made some excellent choices with your life. I can already tell. <laughs> yes. So after I watched uh, Next Generation, it was all of the cons and interviews with all those people. Great stuff. So with each one, man. I always saw a bunch of them even during college. You know, we're talking, you know, early 2000, late 2000s, early 2010s. And it was just like, okay, so these guys are always going to be mocked or parodied in some fashion. And I would always just light up like, oh, you know, it's some row. I ended up realizing I just wanted to find out what the hype was about. Uh, I'm, a big, I'm a big nerd when it comes to anime, video games, and that culture. Just they do kind of have an anime kind of feel. It's just kind of, it's a good it, it's, it was a, it's a good, and I was just like, you know what, man? I have nothing else to do. I'm stuck in my house, either going to work or coming home. Let me find out what the hype was about. And it looks like I kind of walked in and said, this is my first day watching Star Trek. But the next time I walk in, I'm in full clean on attire. Kapla! So, yes. <laughs> so I don't. Perfect. It, it's been. I I do love me. There's just too many. The outlook is too good to, to ignore. Yeah, that's a brilliant thing to say. The outlook is too good to ignore. I uh, <laughs> during the pandemic um, needed something other than my day job, which is infectious disease. <laughs> so I was a little bit busy, uh, and things got a little um, uh, a little hectic, stressful. Something little, imaginary. Little much. There was a problem. I had to deal with it. Still right. have to deal with it. And so I needed something aside from that. So I I decided, um, and and yes, my boss has heard this story. I've told it many times, but (laughs) it was the middle of the workday. And I said, I need a break. So I sat down. I I did what you do, which is doom scroll on Facebook. And then there was this meme and it was seven of nine. She's got her cheesecake saying, it's seven of nine day. You may now commence worship. Now this was July. (laughs) That's not seven of nine days. Seven of nine days in September. But I forgive that person because they made something incredible happen. Right. I sat down and I said, I got 45 minutes. I'm taking 45 minutes for me to go watch Voyager because I love Voyager. I pushed the go button on whatever Netflix handed to me. And it took <laughs> you know, two minutes for me to go from everything is awful to what's in the future and what could the future mm-hmm. be and how can we create it? How do we build it? Yep. From there, right. uh, I, I thought, I got to share this. Everybody needs the peace of mind that I just got. Mm-hmm. The whole world is angry. The whole world is afraid what if Star Trek, right? But what if Star Trek? So I got on the horn of my buddies on Facebook said, anybody who wants in, reply in Klingon. Well, they did. And a few months later, we had a website. And a few months after that, we launched. We have monthly events and we're a community. And uh, we run conventions on occasion. And we're just about to boot up um, Star Trek Science Sundays, in which we're going to have scientists come and talk about their favorite episodes and have conversations. You know, it's it's a whole thing. We've got... we. We've got an organization, a global organization going on. And we're Star doing science too, because I'm a nerd. So. Right. I remember Star even Trek. when the Abrams films were coming out and I was seeing so many people was like, oh yeah, I used to watch the shit out of that as a kid. And my dad was a Captain Kirk guy, you know. I'm, I thought Picard was cool, yeah. Troy was hot as fuck, you know. And it's like, it's all that stuff. And it's like, wow, I didn't know <laughs> we I could talk know. about this. I always got booed away oh, yeah. by the Star Wars fans. And it's like, Jesus, okay, I'm not talking about this with you because I'm a cinema guy first. So I... I love everything. I, I want to see anything that Industrial Light and Magic has worked on. I want any of these movies people have talked about, see what the hype's all about, see if I relate to it and blown away by it. And it, much like that, like you say, it's just so funny how some of these episodes mean totally different things to the millennial crowd. It's like, ah, guys, you know, <laughs> it meant something different back then. Or you're, you know, you did, you do realize this was a, was a thing. This was before, you know, iPhone and all this other stuff where you had all the touch screens. And um, it, it is funny how you'll be watching a random movie and 
notice and they say, didn't they do something like this on X-Files? Yeah. You know, are they in a holodeck? Is someone going <laughs> to shut this operation down? You know, is a predator or alien type Marine going to burst in and save them from unstoppable force? And is there going to be a Hellraiser type demon? You know, it's just, you, know, you never know what to expect. And it's, it is kind of the basis of a lot of these cultures, this in Twilight Zone, because it's, I mean, I'm sure, Barbara, you're going to ask a follow-up question. Okay, so you can speak Klingon, but can you speak Elf, you know, from Elven language from Lord of the Rings? Vulcan <laughs> Elvish from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there you go. I Vulcan. can't actually speak either one. I have not been I don't think any of us can. my time doing it. I have to, I, I, I'm probably losing my... Uh, if I remember correctly, Vin Maresh Tach Mira Mark is complete gibberish. I'm just messing with y'all, I'm sorry. Well, you did good, so... Mumbo jumbo, brute. It's only because today I, I started uh, rewatching the. Um, I wanted to take a break from Star Trek and started watching Lord of the Rings. But that's, nice. <laughs> I man, I'm trying. My kid over here watches Star Trek with me. He like comes in. He's five. Like he'll come in and ask me like, "Hey, I want to watch Star Trek." And like that's just. That's me. parenting done right. Is right. What that is. That's why I'm I'm excited for um for Prodigy. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. Totally. And and layering this all, I mean, like you say, it is kind of funny how everyone reacts at a different time, let alone at different times in your life. It's like, I used to hate that episode growing up. The episode's kind of touching this time. I rewatched it on the fifth viewing. Once you view it a couple times, you you get to watch it Star Trek. You watch it a couple times. That first run through is like, you're kind of blown away. You don't get to really see what's going on, the intricacies. Oh, totally. So once this, you get to like your fourth run through, <laughs> you start to exactly you start to kind of get like see the little like in the beginning first seasons of TNG. If you notice, Data's eye uh, contacts are two different shapes. I never thought of that, but I'm sure I would see it. Especially I, I have a really TNG. nice t- I have a really nice 4K television, so watching it, <laughs> I, I, I like I zoomed in and went, wait a minute, <laughs> somewhat out of blooper, yeah, and. I was even having to tell a few fans the other day, I'm like, you do realize they have Blu-rays of similar shows like Stargate and Expanse. I'm like, they do? <laughs> I thought it was DVD or streaming only. I'm like, nope, it's oh, it's out yeah. there. And yeah. I drove my sister crazy. She's like, if we're going to watch this, just show me a Star Trek episode I haven't seen. I'm like, oh, kind of in a Babylon 5 mood. And right. they're, they're too busy, like Red Dwarf, making fun of how cheesy the effects are. I'm like, I, and I'm a B-movie guy, so I, I'm used to that. So I don't. It doesn't well, change I, me. I agree with what you said earlier. Anything that's been done by Industrial Light and Magic, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pretty much all about it. There, see what they can do. Yeah, well, their creativity is just on another level, man. People come up with great things. And the fact that there is this whole rivalry, I'm like, they worked on both Track and Wars and made both epics. So right. what's the problem? What's the problem here? Right, right. Well, I, there's I, there there is no problem. That that all is manufactured. It's right. perfectly yes. acceptable. So, and, and so, it's delightful to like all the things. It's right. Romulan so propaganda. I'm a, I'm <laughs> a, yes, it's Romulan propaganda. It is Romulan propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Star Trek fan, but I'm also sent by a crooked Star federation. Trek. Oh, there you go. Nice blaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Why can't we like both? I saw one right. person getting into an argument on Mandalorian, kicking the cards ass. I'm like, bullshit. I watched it both. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. But man, we can't. You see, I try not to get into those conversations. The um. The Federation versus the uh, the Empire, because, yeah. because they don't the Federation will win, but that's what depends on who's running. <laughs> depends on who. 
Deep Space Nine could totally kick the Death Star's ass. I'm just saying. What about transporter technology? What are we talking about? I'm going to transport all of the of, of a starship. You. You're a star destroyer. I'm going to transport everyone two inches to the left just to prove a point. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean, I would much rather be a red shirt because I get to have an overdramatic death as opposed right. to a guy in a suit who uh, is a clone of somebody who died centuries ago, all that shit. It's and like, you want to talk about a funny joke. So a red shirt and a stormtrooper come up against each other. They both fire. They both miss. They both die anyway. <laughs> and then and then Hitchman Al Leon from Lethal Weapon and Die Hard just shows up, and then he dies. <laughs> but yeah. Yes. So, uh, Barbara. Uh, yeah. What what channel did you constantly like be watching this on? Was it like UPN, Spike TV, or Sci Fi Channel, or H and I? Those only one of those existed. So I think okay. I think we're about to age ourselves here, and that's okay because I think we ought to embrace who we are and how we are in the world. Always. And I feel a little bit even tiny weird about it. So here's the deal: UPN <laughs> wasn't born um, at the time I started watching Star Trek, and neither okay. was the rest of those. Nice. So I started watching Trek when I was eight. It was about eight, maybe a little earlier, but anyway, it was um, uh, TNG was in its run, and what I want to say about that is that. Uh, it was a thing we did as a family. One of the few shows we were allowed to watch because my parents were very adamant so that we were not going to be raised by the TV. But <laughs> Nature with um, George Page, now I'm really dating myself, and Star Trek were things we were allowed to watch. Nice. Anybody who knows George Page, you know, dude, I, I miss you. I miss you, man. I did that Richard, him or Richard anyway. Attenborough narrating wow. you know, PBS and Animal Planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Everyone, you can now go to Google, look at these things up. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I recommend you do because George Page does is not. Anyway, um, so so Star Trek, me, eight years old, I'm looking at the screen and uh, one of my first real concrete memories that I can reach back and grab is, is Worf. And yes. I, as an eight-year-old, realized that there was something I wanted in my life and that was honor. Now, eight-year-old me didn't know what honor was. Right? <laughs> yeah. But Worf, big words. there was something about him that just blew my 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 little mind and i finally figured out later what it was and that was that uh, Worf knew who he was had principles and stuck to them he had honor and i didn't know i couldn't name it as honor then but finally when i realized that he was he was himself and and wasn't going to be blown this way or that by what other people thought he was a person who was that the strength was inside regardless of whatever he looked like or like or how much of a movie monster he may have appeared on screen the guy's strength was on the inside and that was what i wanted and so this tiny little um frame was mystified by why i wasn't going to grow up and be a, an enormous klingon I, I did not but on the inside on the inside <laughs> right. my Right. You could have been, a, you could have been one of the Star sisters. Your heart, awesome. your heart less. No, 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 for sure. <laughs> yes, um, like that. I, I, I definitely, I, I cannot agree with you more. There Warf, you go. Such an amazing seeing that man when I, like I said, I only watched it a year ago. When I saw that man walk onto the walk onto the set with this, this off this uh, energy around him, this this sureness, this mm -hmm. um, steadfastness, the understanding, duty, honor glory and loyalty was something that was so mesmerizing to me to see such a pure a pure state of it he, he had i wanted to see him and tasha yar get into something but that's another conversation <laughs> right 
Because that, that, that's perfectly legit. Thank, thank God they brought her back, you know. <laughs> right, well, they brought her Our back. Travel can do so many things. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, no one's dead in Star Trek. Right. No. Except Gen Z attacks, but we won't go there. Even the no, no, we ain't, we ain't gonna go there because I have a whole look. Well, that's the other podcast. Trust me. <laughs> Absolutely. And... A whole hour and a half conversation about how wrong they were for that whole thing. <laughs> I loved, and don't get me wrong, Desiree was cool. She I loved Desiree. Right, love Desiree. She Everyone was... bad mouths hell, even the next right. finale, but, and I, but... I don't mind it. I think that's a perfect way to end the show, as opposed right. to just because. She was just great. Me and her and Warp could have had another kid. No, I'm getting off. No, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> I always had my issues with the other spinoffs, but I came around to them after a while because, you know, you well, want to give it a full do and see what you're like. I think I got lucky uh, because of how late I got into Star Trek. Because there's a lot of the people that don't know how they felt about the fandoms. Me coming into it, it was all, it's all Trek. It's all Starfleet because that's, in Star Trek, that's what uh, dr- drives me to it so much, is Starfleet. The humans want to explore. With, and in, in one of the books, a Klingon general names the humans as untethered maniacs. Absolutely, on the money, because <laughs> you got all the bureaucrats and you got all the guys who don't humans know how they want to run it. Well, because well, humans aren't doing it to themselves no more. <laughs> They're doing it to other people. Like right? they're, they're being humans to other people, and other people are like, "What are you guys doing? Why are we something as simple as why are we hiding in a dark room?" It makes one want to teleport. In, we're gonna we jump can, up and yell. Can we? Can we teleport a new cranium into that head of yours? You know, it's just right. It's they, just like all the technology yeah. that still is unexplored that they still have to figure out, and it's just so wild how you know people can laugh now at the references they're making. Is like. You have to realize they've been in this universe. They're studying old timelines, old right. tropes, old figure of speeches, and the Klingons are a Shakespearean kind of people trying to make sense of anything. Anything, right? That's how like, behind me talking are. about. And it, it's the Starfleet, man. They, so, like I said, it was easier for me. I never saw them as uh, different entities. I started yeah. with TNG is where I started. It was just oh, so the next the next one is D is DS Nine. Oh, the next one is. Voyager. They really are all connected and it's just what storyline, there's all the same kind of formulas they're going to follow. Some of it's fanfare and some of it was, you know, them trying to be true to you know, what Gene was one to do and it didn't help that you know, Gene's lawyer decided to kind of rewrite some of the writers in earlier days and Rick Berman didn't really know what made it special and so it was like, well, but Michael Pillar at least is a good writer and it makes sense. He and Ira Stephen Barr were big baseball fans, and that's pretty much how they organized each writing room. It's a baseball game. How are we going to win this time? How are we going to get a home run? Right, right. Who's going to lose something? Who's going to get a, put in time? I had a question for both of you. So we're talking about TNG. What outfits did you like the best? The first two to three oh. seasons, I believe, or was it the, the ending ones where they had the, the top jackets and not the full suit? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I've never been a fan of the um, uh, the, the, the unitard, I think, the whole one-piece thing. <laughs> Just, that looks so uncomfortable. It, so, it looks like you're being strangled to death slowly by, by tribbles or something. So it's on the episode. Right. <laughs> so I, I I agree I agree with you that um I uh, Barbara I was not a big fan of the leotard either it was very cool when they came up with the jackets but like I said did a bunch of diving and 
<laughs> come to find out that the reason why they switched them was because Picard went to his chiropractor and doctor and told him that because Gene wanted them so tight, he wanted it so pressed and so clean, the outlets were two sizes too small. Had them doing what you said, Barbara, kind of folding in on themselves. Yeah. So it was either change the suits or get a lawsuit. Gene, right. <laughs> Patrick Stewart wasn't playing games. And so wild how we remember those minor characters. We remember the barber. We remember the other psychologists and other doctors. It was like even Norman Lloyd's character who's like a nine-year-old man he's playing at that point. Was <laughs> Picard's mentor. And it was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, we, we got all this stuff that's just a, you remember other stuff, other key guest spots on other shows. But it's like, yeah, but this is a whole different thing. He's like, you're set for life. I've seen you. If I've seen you on this show, I've seen pretty much a lot of cool performances that you've done. <laughs> man, Sir Patrick Stewart, that man is uh, one of his, he's my favorite. Oh, he's uh, and... acting wise, he's he he brought so much poise to that bridge. So much, so much, uh, so so much. I don't know how to say. He just brought so much to it. I and yeah. And he, and thank goodness for those who were able to escape this versus those who kind of just disappeared after this, you know, <laughs> only would do like five TV guest spots a year. Um, right. And um, it made sense when, you know, they did the comeback, you know, last year with Picard with doing the whole, uh, you know, already every, everyone came back for the most part. And How do you guys feel about it, about Picard? I, you know, I had no complaints. I thought it made sense to bring I agree. back. I don't like what they so everyone to say I don't like what they did to Egypt. <laughs> Egypt was my man. I was very much a fan of Egypt, and when they <laughs> came up on him, just kind of getting dissected, I was like, "Oh, my boy!" Oh, no. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I I will never be old enough for that scene. Not ever in my life. Um, yeah. It just was too much for me, and it always will be. Yeah, uh, that, that, was, that is the uh, only thing that really didn't work for me about that, and I'm I'm not known for complaining about Trek. It's not a thing I like to do. I agree. And that I will say that me. that scene was a bit much, you guys. Yeah, it was a bit much. It was a bit. I agree. It was a bit much. Yeah. Were, I wanted to, like because there were so many emotions. Like I I, I saw his pips. That at that point became the commander of a starship. Like he he did what he set out to do. What they trained him to do. He he did that. And I wanted. I would have liked to have seen that. But no, I, I got to see like an opportunity, and like, it was it was hard. That was like I paused it after that. Like after that episode, I I had to, I had to walk away for a little bit. That's a lot to take in. It does it. It did get by the emotion. I thought the emotion was earned at least. It was like okay, they're showing a darker yet still up to date world. <laughs> well, Picard's not the he's um not the same person. He's he's a little bitter. And, <laughs> and, and now he's becoming a cyborg. Yeah, <laughs> right, I know, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I live. I I like the approach that they took the um the old admiral that doesn't know that didn't know how to put it down. The, uh, oh, that's uh, just it. Yeah, they need him, and then he's like, <laughs> no, um, I believe was Picard was an admiral when he uh, retired. Oh, 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 I I didn't quite hear you right now. Not a problem. Right, probably. right. And then to just see these guys, they're doing all this other science. And I dug a lot, some of the new guys, like uh, the new ship captain, who's basically a Han Solo type, and then Rafi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't disagree. He's super cool. I'm not going to lie. All of his EMHs are awesome, too. He's a matter of all great. Yeah, they're all great. I'm not, I like the, um, talking about the ships, 
I like the control system for that ship. It's incredibly cool. Oh, yeah. Like, Kudos. Mean, yeah, to whoever created that, I definitely agree. That was a cool interface for a ship. I Pretty totally felt the card in that in the, the uh, later part of the season where he's, I haven't flown in a while. Could you just be quiet while I do this or else? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what? I, I got you. Yeah, I got you on that. Right. My user, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting up it there. Was, just... um, uh, but hey, I want to talk about the um, the evolution of, of Picard himself, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple of personal things, but then I want to hear what y'all have to say about it. Um, Picard, because I did grow up with it, was essentially a, a a parent, like another parent that I had. I had mom and dad, and then I had Captain Picard. And then, if he was a parent, Janeway was a role model, so he kind of trained me, and then I became Janeway, which you know, whatever. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. But what happened later was with with the, the show, Star Trek Picard, it was everything I was looking for to make Picard go from godparent, if you will, to human being. Because as a child, I was looking up to up at him a long, long way, and I couldn't see his dimension as a human being as a kid. And so when we get to Picard and we get to see what it is that his life has done to him as a person as a human for me that that's touching and moving so and moving. i was right there with him as he struggled with having been sitting on his butt for 20 years having mm -hmm. given up i know that i at least i think i've heard from other fans that they that, that really was was so difficult for them to accept and to think about and that they they were kind of upset that that's how the choice they chose to take and for me that was so real and so raw and I, I, I was right there for it. And with the exception of the, of each of, um, and maybe a couple other odds and ends, I loved the card and can't wait for more. So, uh, all right, folks. So the question we were talking about was, how do you feel about the evolution of his character between the next generation and Star Trek Picard? I'd like her to go first. Uh, again, I like, I like everything you said before. I totally agree. Um, they did a, uh, the writers did a, a very well, a very good job of uh, portraying a military man that has not only been a military man, but it has been a military man of, of renown, of rank, and with all of that came with a lot of privilege. And we they, we saw a man that was retired and didn't know how to put it down. Uh, and he had about twenty or so years, like you said, to sit there and ponder all of his actions not necessarily all of his mistakes and go through every single thing he's done. And after also being in charge of the failed attempt to rescue and help the Romulans, they portrayed a man that was deeply regret, had a lot of regret at what he did. And I, I, I agree with you. Picard for me, after I have, so to get personal, I've uh, never met my father. So, oh, man. He, so he was a, um, a card was really, like I said, about the last year, was something that I I wanted to strive for, something I wanted to look forward to because he was a man that was able to find the third option when A and B was not acceptable. When and, and he would use that when it's not acceptable, we're going to draw the line here. We're going to put our my foot down here because what's happening is not going to go down. And he brought so much grace, a, a man that can show emotion but was still shown to be regarded. Selected people seeing that struggle, a man's struggle, was when he was in TNG, he was a god. That man seemed like he could almost do no wrong. And 
watching him with Ricard was satisfying because I got to see that it's it's even great men have great choices and great regret. And not someone as Ricard has so much wisdom, so much insight right. in team. Like every track captain, he's going to have you know, supernatural gods, you know, Jane was right. take down the Borg and right. other supernatural and entities. Uh, Archer's going to be encountered by men in black. black. <laughs> Cisco is going to be encountered by the prophets and Kirk is going to have some other voice that he's going to ask for Spock's help on how do I kick his exactly. ass and take his woman, you know? <laughs> right. And so it was, um... uh, Picard was just the gentle is like, I will give you what you want, but only at my on my terms you know <laughs> and he was a very all my uh, terms kind of i guy. will make he is the granddad who has a wonderful cookout but make sure that you are happy and that you are well nourished and at the same time that everything is left the way it is and <laughs> everybody goes to band with a full stomach you know but at the same time like you say he does have that kind of just like you feel pain and it's not something you got from patrick stewart's other roles and even you know as professor x and x-men you know it's like and this wasn't any other kind of show you know this was their career so they were just like hey we're gonna do it as good as we could ever you know if not as good as the first time and you know the fan base is what matters so if you like it you know hell let's let's party let's go where he can go let's have assemble his new crew since everyone's in a different direction now at this point in their lives it only makes sense and how does he figure out how this you know cyborg gal is related to data and how do we give him a proper closing, you know, after the like it or hated of Nemesis? So it was like, let's let's warp speed. Let's let's solve this part of this puzzle. And if this is our final year, let's make it our final year. And if not, let's make it our second less awesome final year. You know, it's just that you you Yakiva Goldsman had always wanted to be involved with the track universe, and he just never had. He had made a cameo appearance as one of the Romulans in the 2009 movie, but he just was always doing like it or hate it movies and won an oscar for a beautiful mind and i think mind is a perfect point this is totally cerebral just going into and what's your take on uh counter question i, I don't mean to keep doing this uh on uh one of the other suing uh related scientists that prince Spire gets to do a dual role with oh uh, i just want to say that uh, if your last name is soon we gotta watch out for you every, yeah every song was crazy and funny it enough was- in one way or another, they were all nuts. Um, yeah, they were frightening people, in my opinion. Data's dad yes. was a scary dude. Yes. Right? Yes. And Union Sung was... <laughs> it's kind of like, very much, it made sense why they tied him in with uh, cons people on Enterprise. You know, it's like, yeah, these people were all just renegades, kind of radical environmental scientists, were, if you could. They were smart. They were smart, They're smart, man. too smart. Is like, is like these are the guys who both use new technology and abuse it, and then at the same time do something else that just isn't going to get approved anyway. And so they're just going to continually kind of have the mix of terrorism, freedom fighting, renegade planets. It's like if Texas were to secede from the union, you know, it's that <laughs> kind of political. Whereas it's like we're seeing a lot of this day in and out. We're having scientists publish books and claim that the other is a liar in public, you know, and it's it's shocking. Yeah. And with this, I mean, there was a funny Galaxy Con live interview not too long ago where Brent Spiner said, you know, I already knew the character, you know, I fuck, I wrote for him. So uh 
I had to, I fortunately, you know, I'm a professional. It's not my first rodeo. So I had all my lines memorized and I only had like two that I need Patrick to shout to me because I couldn't see the makeup they put on me was so strong this time around <laughs> that I could, I, I was fucking blind so bad. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of, Michael Dorn did kind of hint at is like, if he's coming back, you better give him a worthy storyline as worth if he's going to put on all that fucking he makeup. That, yeah, that's man, five hours. Eight hours. <laughs> Eight, eight hours. Hour, eight, eight hours. Eight, eight hours. So they on TNG, they would get in at three a.m. <laughs> three a.m. and would work until eleven, twelve at night. Like, I, like there, you're not. I, I thought I had a different understanding of acting until I really got into TNG and understood what they were doing. I was like, "What do you mean? You have four hours for what then? Drive home. They... <laughs> you drive to the hotel or home. Use the bathroom. Eat something. Call your wife. Go to bed." or take a nap and go back to work like and then right makeup again like that that was able to even in many ways like that's how they were even able to get actors on certain sci-fi shows they would always say no makeup required like that's what they said to paul mooney is like one hour makeup promise you know on babylon five and well the um prosthetics my wife is a uh, hairstylist and loves makeup as well so very much into that uh the prosthetics and horror makeup and movie makeup. it really does all blend around especially for it's, those doing the horror and fantasy stuff like how right. much does it take for the lord of the rings freddy krueger wishmaster guys it's like a it takes lot a lot of work and i wasn't aware of the amount of sure yeah we just see the final product it looks great and we're like right yeah you we just get that out of the the army of hairstylists that make all the elves <laughs> there's a reason exactly the like it's it's I, my hats off to those people because they they like Worf. Now again, you watch it on Roman 4K, <laughs> <laughs> you can see. Did you ever see? <coughs> you ever see that one convention appearance? I think it was 2012, maybe 2016. It was a historical one. Jonathan Frakes goes in the back. He plays Riker, and he. Uh, he asks all the stupid questions so that all the idiots who are tempted to ask it actually leave. Uh, oh my god, Riker! Did you going to sleep with so and so? It's like, oh my god, was that real? And so then he goes to the front, and then Michael Dorn starts actually answering real questions, and they're legit, but they have only just smart-ass answers for it because they are kind of at this point they're kind of out there. And one of them was like, "What was the style of fighting you invented for the Klingon stance?" And Michael Dorn was like, "Just like pressing no the screens, we made it up as we went along." Right. Do you guys want the actual answer though? That I was his actual answer. Is like, yeah, yeah, but I mean, do you want the actual answer of where that came from and who designed it? I'd be happy to. It looked like a name. uh, The guy's name is Dan Curry, and he's a a, quite a gentleman and a very nice man. He not only is the uh, graphic artist who did Voyager's title sequence, also is a martial artist in his own right and designed the Klingon Batleth and the um, essentially the Klingon. Oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble here. Dojo, can I say that? I don't know. That's probably the no, wrong word. That, Someone's awesome. gonna roast me for it. But well, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm martial artist. I've been, I've been practicing kung fu and different types of martial arts since I was four. That's why the so fights I, were awesome. They looked yeah. like a well, mirror of, of today's awesome. reality. I'm gonna tell you this right now. This that whole <laughs> that whole double hit thing. Today, yeah, that's does not, does not work. No. Yeah, Dan Curry's not responsible for that one. He's that's for just dramatic purposes. It's just like when you see. A cop getting in a suspect's face and playing to the camera doesn't happen in real life. It's just played right. for 
dramatic purposes and yeah I'm, uh, it plays well to a camera but yeah it's like uh by the time you do this you've already been impelled by the enemy i actually am thinking about buying a bat left real i really want to buy like a full-size bat left because I, I like i said i'm a martial artist and i have wondered every time i see the gold man you can get one of those yeah right if i could well i'm thinking about buying a 3d printer think about 3d printing it so I, I got one if you need me to send you some samples. <laughs> oh, you're serious? That's super awesome. I got a college nearby. It's a, it's a replicator. Like, or if we get it, <laughs> real life replicator. Why do I not want one? Like, totally. And this was kind of before Krav Maga was kind of becoming big on the scene. But yeah, you're seeing kind of a mix of street fighting, even with all the other, you know, aliens. <laughs> it's like, a, lot, a lot of the boo. Yeah, the, the even just the Vulcan symbol is just like, <clears throat> you know, it's like. Technically, he's cutting off circulation, so it's not a far stretch. The it could Vulcan, be somewhat effective. The, the Vulcan uh, pitch is a uh, thing. <laughs> Too funny. Man, uh, I love me some Vulcans. I'm not going to lie to you. I do. I, my favorite species, personally, is a trill, though. I love the trill species. <laughs> I, uh, on Star Trek uh, Online that I play all the time, my, my main character is a trill, trill female. I, well, I something something, <laughs> about, something about having a... Uh, Freezing up there. Yeah, he's he's pretty well frozen. Shit. We might want to, if we don't have enough bandwidth, we can turn our videos off and then uh, we'll okay, get let me a little try bit, a little bit more out of it. Good idea. Done that. Can you see us now? Should be off. Well, we'll just be a little bit patient. He'll he'll come back. Yeah, your Dan Curry guy got the Visual Effects Society Award, so. <laughs> Dan Curry is an amazing person. And getting to know him and finding him to be absolutely fabulous. A lot of editors and graphics people can be pretty awesome. We just kind of that's why I hate when only like the director of like a Pixar movie is on it. I'm like, no, it's a team effort. If you're on the crew, you're awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't treat it like a school assignment where you give credit to one guy who and the three other people slacked off and got credit only. <laughs> yeah, it really is a quite the team effort there's a little has to be yeah a couple of days that. ago with dan somebody asked him um uh he said he was, he was designing some stuff for for upcoming work oh, and wonderful. they said uh they let you back after all that and and dan says of course they did <laughs> i'm the only fucker who knows how to do it yeah <laughs> yeah he wouldn't say that though he's too much i know he's too awesome but it's just it does get to that point where it's like yeah, no, guys, listen here. <laughs> These guys have been doing it for so many years, and you know they've earned the right. And I mean, he even got to direct a next gen episode. <laughs> and so, I guess as a good counterpoint, where do you see a lot of the influence for a lot of these shows, like in terms of casting, character development? Like, I know it's on NCIS. That's kind of just kind of similar kind of character crafting that they do especially with even csi it's like that even had one of the same writers it's like these guys are a family work is what brings them together and without romanticizing it and they get to know one another they're so close and um i mean obviously we we talked uh before we started uh on 24 how that had its own kind of system of rules and a lot of the cast were such big track fans that they even got a lot of the same track cast and crew to appear on there once in a while and do a lot of the same kind of similar stuff um and i mean 
you can't go anywhere without seeing uh, the, you know, Captain Picard or Janeway or even Kirk trope where right. Captain will swoon down to the planet while second in command. Like I saw that with the last ship, everybody's a walking target and the captain goes down to the island and, you know, stops the invasion <laughs> with an away team. It's like, it's all there. You see it, whether you want to or not, it's like everybody has a red shirt. Everyone has a alien race that they can't bargain with. You got the expanse, even those Riddick movies, which are talking about various colonies and Riddick. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, with regard to um, cross-pollination between Trek actors and their other work, and <clears throat> I found it, I found Orange is the New Black to be very difficult to watch because of my attachment to Janeway. And <laughs> She's on that show. I'm just... <laughs> Older gal. <laughs> I, I, I was so deeply impacted by... It was difficult for me to separate Janeway from, the, from Red, and to think, I don't know, there was some emotional something that just went in me and I couldn't, I just couldn't. Totally. I couldn't it's relax. Like, like it wasn't, something wasn't right here and nothing to do with Kate at all. Kate, Kate's brilliant. We all know that. Yeah, but I couldn't get into that show. And my attachment to, to Janeway that made it difficult. And uh, I have to say, I'm, I loved her work as Red. It's absolutely brilliant. And I had so much trouble with it because I just wasn't able to. Um, it's a pretty gritty show, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it, was, it was it was more than I was ready to handle, given my attachment to Janeway. Well, and that's what I also don't like is when so much suggests a show and it's like, well, what kind of a show is it? You know, before you pitch me why I should watch it. <laughs> yeah, is this something that would would actually be appropriate for? Will I actually person? watch this kind of show? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and uh curtis uh before the freeze uh so uh, where, where did we lose you like <laughs> yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember too because i don't my it just stopped for no reason now it's back to full power so I think yeah, it's, was I, it's it's often the video every once in a while is just it's too much power even for a damn you know even when you got high-speed internet it's still right i agree i'm trying to remember what we were talking about we we're talking about we're talking about the bat left we were talking oh about yeah we were talking about dan curry Yep. Yeah, Sten Curry, guest director, visual effects animator, turned supervisor on all the shows. Man, the man did an amazing job. 100% did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and for my, my uncle, who was a huge, you know, sci-fi guy, would always talk about it. He's like, yeah, you do realize the next generation, you know, Enterprise D, you know, that's all filmed upside down. That's why you can see it so clearly. You wouldn't get that with all the shadows and other lighting. It's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Facts. And the Dan fact that Dan I always was talking the other day about um, when we were uh, we, actually it was it was Wednesday. Anyway, um, we were talking about <laughs> what is the actual production value for a Trek episode these days, and <laughs> how how much do these things actually cost? And someone was like, "Oh, it costs ten million. Nah, now it costs six and a half. It costs." I think he said two it's and so a half. So true. TNG. And right. he was talking about making Galaxy's Child, the, the space whale. And um, he said, yeah, there, there were times where, when I was making models out of shampoo bottles, thinking, Dan, you put shampoo bottles in front of me on, on a screen and it looked grand. <laughs> right. Right. And the fact that the most atypical kind of way you create this is like, everyone just thinks it's all just a green screen and a model is like, oh, it's way more than that. You know, you got to decide what part of the frame you're going to animate and 
all that. And he's like, this was before digital, guys. It's pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, before this... Dan was telling us that he he likes, um, or he liked very much the old style special effects where you had to get really creative. For example, some guy, um, I don't know, I've forgotten what he was saying he was working on, but a, a film project he was working on uh, had been out in the sun a bit. And so they essentially got a nylon stocking to, to put over the camera so that it would be a little bit less in focus and you wouldn't see quite the amount of sun damage on the actor's face and I thought huh of all things I would not have imagined an island stocking as a visual effects tool you get creative when you need to right mm-hmm. right yeah and it's really just kind of electrifying just seeing how these are the storytellers and it's like it's too often you would see people work on a big large-scale movies who kind of weren't ready to become storytellers they're just you know the visual storyteller you know and i think these guys were very fortunate where they were able to get a lot of very long-lasting gigs and you know i talked about how a lot of their later stuff that they were able to do like iris steven bird did the 2000s version of twilight zone as well as the dead zone and alphas and uh uh i forget his name this one indian writer who did a lot of the data episodes later became the head writer of csi you know kind of had that same kind of family appeal and uh all of them had kind of pretty uh just lovely careers in many ways because you know a lot of them got into directing especially uh paris on you know voyager and jonathan franks and uh, have you guys ever heard how he's often called two takes freaks <laughs> yeah i have heard that Mm-hmm. great i'm so glad i'm not the only mm-hmm. one because it seems like it comes up a lot and i don't see it listed anywhere so i'm like great because <laughs> oh, yeah. he's man, very the inspired. Man, yeah the man knows how to direct him some star trek uh everyone that is has uh, to play a role while he is directing to the e he knows how to get into it he knows how to talk to him he knows how to, how to exactly yeah he, they say he knows how to flow in that aspect and it's just so awesome seeing the research he did back in the day, how he was inspired by Ridley Scott and James Cameron movies. He got the cinematographer of Strange Days, Matthew F. Leonati, who had also worked as like assistant camera on Star Trek too, as well as, you know, Poltergeist. <laughs> and he had that guy come down and just study the filming of Voyager and Deep Space Nine. He's like, this is how we're going to make that movie, you know, a little known movie called First Contact. Look on the big screen, <laughs> you know? And uh-huh. Leonati totally bit. He's like, we got to make that. We got to give them that look and not make them feel like we're seeing just totally different kind of movie. We got to get all the cramped hallways, the, you know, invasion of a ship going. We got to have great speeches, <laughs> very well focused. And it's career security too, because they knew instantly they'd totally get typecast from this point on. It's like, well, we want to. Sh- so they were doing, he and Torres, actress Roxanne Dawson. And all the other guys were just always just getting offered the ability to direct episodes and, you know, just start making time to study. And then they weren't in their trailers, you know, or with their family memorizing their lines for the next day. So, and I, it's, that is that rare kind of confidence. And we talked about other track parodies, I think, before we started, like Galaxy Quest and Orville. And a lot of those guys, same kind of deal. You ask them, how did you create that? And they're like, we trusted each other. Right. Is, that's all you got to do. And the these guys, oh, totally. And it helps that, yeah, next gen. I mean, they knew they had a lot of competition. They, some of them weren't familiar with this. Some of them were like, this is a big, large scale show. You should give it your all. You won't get something like this again. And obviously, you're going to have people who are coming in who are like, this isn't at all like, you know, 
my granddad's track, you know? Mm. <laughs> and it's like, so do you feel like track is like one of the few fandoms where a lot of the toxic fans often exit stage right? You know, like the ones who are just want to do the whole what's the best era is like, we can like it all. I, so since I'm, I'm on TikTok a lot, man, I see a lot of the, uh, the, the negative, I guess, side of the fandom because people are, some people are really like that. Some people are very much into only um, TOS, which is the original Star Trek series. And I know. They've never seen anything else. So it's like, well, your opinion it's, is mute. Uh, it's mute, right. You, you can't say it sucks if you haven't seen it. <laughs> so there's some people that only watch Next Generation and TOS. And it's, and it's like, I just, I, I sit there and I go, so are you okay with an, an incomplete story? I, I, can't, I can't fathom that. Like, you know, I watched Star Trek at this point all the way through all of them because they all tell a complete story. But uh, like I said, on TikTok, there are a lot of people that will they'll, they'll die on the hill for DS9. They will die on the hill for DS9. I've seen that too. And it's just like, well, I mean, and, you know, we've seen it with Voyager. I've even seen Enterprise people were getting into that when Trek was becoming oversaturated. You know, they were already getting into you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, uh, Matrix, and it's like, yeah, that came out at that time when, you know, Trek, I don't want to say it didn't know what it wanted to be, it just kind of had to keep changing its audience, keep finding a new flow, and it's like, I watched Enterprise a lot, even though I was very frustrated with it, but I saw the later seasons, I really dug those compared to the earlier seasons, and it's like, not every track has a sharp season, but that's the beauty of it, you'll still find some part of it you might like. <laughs> Enterprise took me a little bit, but I end up yeah. actually, I end up falling in love with it, honestly. Yeah. By the end, I end up falling in love with it. Well, same honestly. thing with Discovery. I saw the pilot, and I didn't care for much for it, but I binged the first season. You, right. I was, uh, I'm going to tell you, I actually was really cool, really happy about Discovery. Um, I was, I'm wondering what they're going to do about it, like if all the other stuff in front of them, the Section 31 series, or um, I hope that comes to fruition because, yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree with and that. And I think the other thing is it's kind of an atypical kind of track because it's like, it's just a free, more free-spirited track and not everyone's used to that. They like to just fall around the first free and it's right. like, guys, you got to free yourselves out because next gen, who didn't like most of the people here? I mean, I'll even confess, I like Wesley. And everyone loves to give him, I make him I, like Wesley. I, I like Wesley. The only thing I didn't like about Wesley was when he decided to be a bitch. Like, there was no reason. <laughs> Look, there was no reason. He had to go right. do all that nonsense. He just became, they, I don't know what they, the writers fucked him a little bit, on my opinion, because there was no Will reason. would often complain because he wouldn't get along with some of the directors like Rob Bowman, who worked later on Castle and X-Files. He's like, Bowman right, would right, often right. baby him a lot. Right, okay, like he didn't know what he was doing. Like, the, and he, it, it was, it, uh, he's also really, I don't know, Will Wheaton is like. He's just an awesome yeah. dude. And, yeah, he's an and awesome he, I light up yeah. each time I see him in a movie or a, a cartoon voiceover. I'm like, ah, I see what you did there, buddy. <laughs> but it's, um, I've, I've watched a lot of, uh, I think it's called The Ready Room on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's his, his story. Like, after you figure out, like, what's going on, like, what he went through as a child actor. Like, he repeated man. his questions a few times, but yeah, Franks was really complimentary of him. It's just like, the, the dude just makes all these guys open up. These guys wouldn't have opened up for, say, well, Today so America anybody. or anything right, else. Yeah, right. No, he, got, he gets down because he was there. He gets down to the gritty. He's, it, it, it's, it's, 
Latinos have interviewed those people, but like um, it was said on uh, when he was interviewing Jonathan Franks. And, he uh, really is legit. What I consider a, a geek. Yeah, he's uh, yeah because yeah, yeah. even before the Twitter and all that other fandom is like no, he was always good at just kind of no, being a uh, smart ass without seeming like a snob. You know, he knew how to just kind of channel that, and I kind of felt like yeah. it was like okay, well, what he's what they're going for, the writers are going for, without being cliche, is they're going for young man who's you know, hasn't had much of a childhood, who's trying to find out how to be of importance. And of course, you know, his option are, are, options are very limited since he's being judged based on how old, young he is, how right. he's got to figure out what he wants to do. And it is kind of like Riker's brief promotion consideration. <laughs> it's like they had to write some of it out because it's like, well, uh, how, long uh, are, how long do we want this show to go before we decide that every show lasts seven seasons? <laughs> Facts, man. Have you guys There's been uh, listening to Gates is McFadden's Investigates podcast? You've been listening to her? No, oh, that's no. awesome. No. Okay, <laughs> get on, on it. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold on. I got to write that down on my get phone. Get on it. Investigates. Yeah. Investigates so on all those phenomenal. Panels. So she's been, um, I, I won't, no spoilers, but I'll tell you a little. Right. Um, she has been uh, talking to her space friends, as she calls them, including her space son. Um, yes. At, uh, our friend Will Wheaton that we've just been discussing, right? And those episodes, those 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 episodes are in depth, thoughtful, touching um, things I had no idea about. You really get a chance to get to know these people in ways I never thought I would get to know them. Really, and what yeah, is an absolute gift. Yeah, it really does. Gift. Wow, wow! I she just loved. Uh, I listened to the Delta Flyers back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a. She loves talking, especially to all. She loves especially talking to all the other doctors, like you know, uh, you know, guys, Julia, and Bashir, and yeah, and it's like, yeah, and Ricardo's, you know, doctor, and it's like, yeah, but it's that. I love Ricardo. Can Richard Ricardo is the man? I don't know what I want him to give. I want him to be my grandfather. I don't know. That man would be. He seems like a gentle giant. Yeah. Well, he's just he he can. Everything he did in that in Voyager, his opera singing, his artistic like that's who he that's who he actually he just played himself. He can actually do that, yeah. Right, like like the doctor, yeah. the main doctor's personality was himself, but then you can see him when he became the bomb, and that intelligent bomb took over his intelligence, and he was a different person. Well, and that's where I really dug how the spinoffs just didn't try to be. They were their own thing, but they they didn't deny the world. It's like they had you know. Riker's, you know, brother slash clone, you know, Thomas hijacked an enterprise there one time, having Worf's brother Kern uh, be given a death <laughs> ritual. That was a neat connection. And just Voyager having, connecting seven to nine to, you know, Picard's birth. How, how do you, how does Starfleet let that happen? Can we talk about that? So uh, you, you find know. out that a transporter malfunction makes a clone of yourself. Right, so is he a real going, person or not? Right, <laughs> right. regardless if he's a real person or not, because he's a real person, flesh and blood, soul. Can we just put right. him on house arrest and just go right? There? <laughs> so we're just going to reinstate him, and he's just going to shave his beard, and he'll go by Tom, and it'll work out. What? There's two royal Yo T Rikers. That's how does that how does that work? That needed a lot more exploration, and I sure would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen a, a, a 
few go rounds with that one more than we right. got. We did get a couple. That's when you know it's a good episode a when you want more. But, but I, I would have liked to see them actually explore, you know, the, 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 the issues with, with William T. Oh. and uh, Thomas later as they are doing with Picard because that kind of a, if, anyway, it would have been. But that's when it's a good episode when you want more. Well, yeah. You want a more reference, like I want okay, more than so, Nanites running rampant so, or being used as well. Well, so you said that that brought up to, that brought up to my mind something else. But can we talk about all the little quote unquote babies the Enterprise ship has made? All the different types right. of entities or things that have come out of that ship itself. All it, the stuff that other shows would make fun of is like that they never went to. <laughs> it's like right. it's, much. so they have a holodeck program that is trying to go to Burnaman City over here trying uh-huh. to. It's like and it's end up birthing. I am not thing. a merry man. Different episode, but similar. <laughs> but no, seriously, there's a whole bunch of things that, that emerge from the Enterprise as life forms. As life forms, literal life right. forms. Right, renegade and holograms that had come to life. Yeah, it's just so no interesting. How many times? So when they uh, like another one was when that uh, that light being, that uh, that energy being came in and impregnated uh, Troy. Troy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, that was insane. Like that was another insane. Like, it was a highbrow moment. Like, you have to understand what's going on right now. Like this, a being wanted to fully understand what it is to be a human, to have your existence. And they had to fight that whole situation. They were in the briefing room trying to have a conversation about something that was ultimately had to happen for this uh, being to experience true life in their sense. And it was... Holy. It was a, a moment for us to reflect on how amazing like our lives as humans are. We get to live this beautiful existence. That and, right? and how we explore things and how other beings might explore things. There are, are a multitude of episodes of how how are we as human beings out there in the universe exploring versus how are how is the universe exploring us? For example, uh, you is busily exploring humanity in all kinds of strange and wonderful and sometimes awful ways <laughs> well exactly yeah. uh, and what what is illegal versus fair freedom of speech and I, I liked how they were able to have all these mature discussions of what is otherwise kind of a mirror of today's impossible to talk about discussions you know and and so whenever you say you can't solve an argument i'm like well let's all do it on star trek yeah that is actually a very valid thing to say yes. okay well it if we can't um, deal with it here, we can potentially deal with it in science fiction because it gives everybody enough space to step back and look at it without having their fingers mashed on the hot button all the time. Mm-hmm. It gives us an, an idea to see how something could be resolved if we did take our fingers off the hot button. Oh, right. totally. And then the result sometimes rivalries between other fandoms is like, okay, I love all these sci-fi shows. I love Stargate. I love Lex. I love Odyssey 5. I especially love Babylon 5 and Track because, you know, these guys are basically intergalactic space cops and explorers all rolled into one, and they have to flat out just compromise, and whether it's in a war room or whether it's in, you know, again, just we met a totally behind-the-times society. Do we tell them they're wrong, or do we just let them keep living their life, even though we know there's a tyrant or there's a scientist who's abusing his trust with them, basically making everyone his guinea pig? Without villainizing him, plan. yeah, the prime director is like it's a good thing to stop by. I wish we had, I wish we could solve real world, uh, world wars that way. <laughs> it's like instead of just doing diplomacy and 
is just ass kissing is like with this you know we see how everybody wants to become something and then they have the argument of uh, you know how do they actually want to go about it <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah, is many times in the uh this in Star Trek Next Generation that they just really uh, wanted to drive home the, the 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 understanding of the sanctity of life. It was very interesting. And they uh, they're uh, with Data creating law. That was another powerful episode where it was mm-hmm. just the, the want to procreate and how Starfleet is a corporation like all the other ones. Right. How we thought we were going to see B four and that never materialized into much. It's like yeah, no lore was kind of interesting because you got again. Here we don't want to see data going rogue, so let's just see we'll how just he has a, te- we'll a bunch, one. yeah, a duplicate of him who's technically his brother and who went renegade, who did everything unimaginable. He's more intrusive than Q. So here's the that's a good segue, you know. Q never allied with the Borg, he just showed them the Borg. Is Q an anti-hero or is he a villain? Well, hold who's on. It's just now. funny. Right, hold on now, hold on now. I think Q who that the episode where he uh, thrown them into the Delta Quadrant. First episode I ever saw. <laughs> right. It was probably, it's probably one of the most important episodes in Star Trek. Totally. Uh, there, there was so, if it wasn't for uh, for that part, moment happening, the uh, the Kinsons, um, Seven of Nine's parents would have never gotten uh-huh. back to him with the board. Right. Uh, yep. There are there are so many other different type of connections. Guinan would have never connected with the people on her world that were destroyed by it in the Nexus and all that. Yeah, it's like she's. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that happened in Q. Who? No, no I don't get me wrong. I, I love him. Q as um as an antihero or a villain. Just a separate one. entity. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he fits in that bucket. I also well, think we don't, jury's out, frankly, still with Q as, <laughs> as his role, and I think that's probably, should remain that way, that's part of the magic of the character. Well, I guess if we're talking about the great... Dismiss Q. Right, right, if we're talking about the great one, more than if you if you, if you want to finish Shakespearean, that, that particular Q, because if I remember correctly, Q, the Q continuum, it's supposed to be the great equalizer. They're supposed to be guardians of the multi, the multiverse. Right. They're supposed. They to... know every layer inside and out, including their own dream world. Yeah. Right. So they're, <laughs> they're supposed to be the ones that keep that to keep that balance. That's why they're not able to do. They can't just save people randomly. They can't do stuff like that. It's against it's against what they're allowed to do. You know. Um, I'm, I, I think I disagree with you a little bit there, Curtis. I don't think there's a supposed to be about it. <laughs> I think that the Q continuum has decided as a society, given their power and status and what else exists in the universe, to play a more respectful role as opposed to squashing giants, which is why Q gets in trouble from time to time. Oh, right. But I don't think he likes to play to. games. I think yeah, it's an right. evolution of their society. Well, they uh, in what was it? Was in Voyager. I definitely agree because in Voyager is when they said they'd be they when the, they call it the new era or the new age. Yes. Uh huh. There's the new stuff. There's the old stuff. I've even been the scarecrow and the clock. Yeah. Right. And the clock. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> for I whom the bell tolls. I was the dog for a while. I wrote the. I played the games. Read the books. Walked the earth. They they've come to this understanding of this is pureness of understanding. Right, and he he always says, he'll meet him later and he'll always say, I've been stripped of this one power because I got a little out of hand. I played God a little too many times. And it was like, I, I've even seen other people just note how, you know, 
whichever captain was the best is depends on who you know dealt with q the best i'm like well that's not fair because cisco happened Cisco's just when a yeah. punch by Janeway played a mind game with him and Kirk didn't even ever encounter his species. So it was like Picard was just always trying to be the bigger man. Just do the whole I will compromise with you, but I will not kiss your ass if you want me to get out of here. And I'm not right. gonna say please, but I will say, you know, I could use your help, even though you're an asshole right today. <laughs> yeah, that was very I have a question for both of you about Q. And this has to do with the episode Tapestry. So when Picard gets uh, uh, impaled by some energy and it knocks out his artificial heart, he enters some kind of potential, either a dream sequence that's his neurons firing and creating something for him, or Q actually absconds with him and takes him on a merry chase to see what his life would be like had he not been impaled by the Nausicaa. I have long been questioning whether whether this is Picard made up Q because he, his brain was dying and this was something that he was looking back at his regrets and he, he invented Q or if Q was actually there. What are your takes on that? Q was there or he wasn't? What do you think? Q was there. I'd I have to rewatch it, but he probably no, was, I was there. I, 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 it was, I, I, he was there. He was there only because of, um, or my, not only because that's, that's wrong to say, but uh, I, I believe he was there just because <laughs> of how Picard wouldn't do that to himself. <laughs> I, I don't think Picard is even Picard's subconscious. I'm a madman! <laughs> wouldn't, put him, wouldn't put him through that, like that. And I think that there's something that, I think there's a, well, we also can tie it back to the reason why Q's back in Picard now. All right, I can't wait. More, I can't there has wait. To be something so much more important about Jean-Luc Picard. Totally. I mean, if there like, isn't, we, then what gives <laughs> right right so i i believe that he was there because this was a pinnacle moment for Ricard. okay and my my, my 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 father and uncle always thought he was funny and especially the actor how uh, delightful he and uh over the top he would make the role and my mother just always loved to hate him and i'm just like well that's the thing he's he's pretty much just a bystander who he's the barfly who can be amusing or he can be a little too drunk depending on what day it is <laughs> so what do you think cam was he de- was he I, present in that episode or was that something picard made up in, in his dying brain i i think he was definitely present and because who else would confront him about what was on his mind it wouldn't make sense otherwise you know and see that's where i'm going to jump on this because i i have been rolling this around in my brain for quite a while and i've come to the conclusion that it's more likely that Picard made him up. And here's why. I think that Picard, this is this was one of the rare moments where we actually get to see Picard's psyche from the inside and just that he was actually a human being with real regrets. And that that sequence was his absolute this was that sequence was Picard's absolute complete worst possible scenario nightmare. Right. Um, absolutely rock bottom for Picard is showing up in the afterlife and it's freaking cute. There couldn't be anything worse for Picard. So for me, that it, as, as somebody who cares, and as Picard does so deeply for his duty, for how he lives his life, for all of his choices, for all of his responsibilities. I mean, if that guy, if there's a responsible person, holy cow, is it Picard. So responsible people have this nasty tendency of kicking themselves really hard where it hurts. Yeah. So if you're dying right. on the table, 
and your brain says, okay, let's have a look at what you did. Oh, that's not so shiny, is it? That is the worst thing that Picard could do to himself. Absolutely. And for what could have easily been just another, you know, it's a wonderful life type retread. It's like, no, holiday or whatever I'm thankful for is irrelevant. Now it's me confronting the ugly side of my past and what made me who I am that I just refuse to talk about because he talks about it a bunch in season two and then they just kind of let it grip. You didn't know if anything else would come of it. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very key. It's more key than we. Man, I'm gonna have to. Uh, you gotta. I'm, I'm gonna have to go watch that episode again. Yeah. Totally. That's a good point. I'm definitely gonna watch that after this. That's a good point. It can go either way. That's. It could. The because the Q because because the Q could do that, but the brain can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's man. I want an answer to that, and that's what I want from Star Trek: The Card is for <laughs> the card to say, "Hey Q, you know when I was dead or near death because right. I got and nailed in the heart." <laughs> right. Uh, how many different formats do I have to see it in before I figure out? What would you know, just go to a con and ask one of the directors? That would be yeah, great. We have, to, we, have to, we have to ask a writer. We have to ask the person who wrote right. that episode because right. they're okay. the only person who knows. No, Perfect. Right. Have a writer act it out. Even have a person who studied it a bunch of times and then you have Britt Spiner do his best Patrick Stewart impression since he's always playing <laughs> pranks on him. He does do a great job. He's always playing pranks on him sometimes, and sometimes he would answer questions in his voice is like until Patrick pat lightly pat him on the back saying, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> he's so funny, man. But yeah, I really hope that that um, Jean-Luc does ask Q. Eventually they have a heart to heart and Jean-Luc gets to know whether that was Q messing with him or whether he made the whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. oh, I want to see that conversation. He got booted down to ensign. What was he, an ensign or a lieutenant? Ooh. Oh, Lieutenant Picard. Oh, yeah. what hey. was that? A man bereft of passion and imagination. I can't live my life as that man. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't live my life as that man. Because that man was sad, my guy. That man was sad. You could even ask Ronald D. Moore now. I mean, I'm sure you could ask him at a Battlestar panel. <laughs> Is he is he the the, the, the the lovely soul who wrote that episode? I haven't looked it up. Yes, he is. And oh my Lennon. goodness, my, and, my adoration for Ronald D. Moore continues. And Les Lendow, Les Lendow, who a lot of Next Gen and Voyager said was one yes. of the best writers or directors and producers ever yeah. on that show, did that one. So awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, this is the best part about these episodes is like you can keep and you know investigating them and just seeing you know even if there's something that doesn't completely add up for you you can still just embrace these episodes and uh dennis mccarthy was always good at composing these scores it it made sense that he you know composed some of the movies as well as shows like macgyver and sliders (laughs) it's like he just really has a way of just really uh belting out those trumpets really does (laughs) If we're going to talk about music, I want to talk about Jerry Goldsmith, and I want to talk oh, about yeah. Voyager, and I think also, and of course, I always, I always have the doubts here, that um, First Contact's theme, I believe he's responsible for both of those beautiful He things. and his son, uh, Joel, who he helped complete it before his death, but yeah, no, I mean, it's not a Star Trek score without Jerry, I mean, the same guy who's done, you know, countless other things, you know, like, yeah, he also, Planet of the um, Apes, <laughs> 
Yeah, I think he wrote the one of the themes for Rudy or maybe all the music for Rudy, which I, you know, I think I saw the movie maybe once a million years ago and I was like, yeah, it's a sports movie, okay, fine. I'm, I'm a Star Trek you know, sci-fi gal, so that wasn't really my, my bucket, but I listened to um, uh, film music all the time. I have a Pandora station for that. And uh, Jerry Goldsmith is high on my list of folks to listen to. Oh, I would LA, put him down. LA Confidential, The Mummy, Here's a Picardo uh, reference, you know, both Gremlins movies, Total Recall, Air Force One. So yeah, it's like you, anyone who says, I've never heard of him. Oh, you've heard him. You've Trust heard him, you just don't know it. You don't know it, yeah. yeah. Once you start learning, you start hearing those cues, those sounds, you're like, oh. That sounds like Jerry. And then yeah. when they reused his music for like the Universal theme and even just, you know, movie trailers, he, he was tied with the guys who did the theme, you know, for Dragonheart and Waterworld. is like Universal, but just any movie they were doing, just reuse his score for Rudy and <laughs> use it in their other movies. <laughs> and so my, uh, my wife just texted me and told me that she finished my, uh, my uh, Voyager cosplay. Very nice. nice. That's awesome. I was clearing out my room. I did some summer cleaning and I gave this one red and black suit that I kid you not totally looks like a Starfleet uniform and I gave it to a big cosplayer pal of mine. I'm like, see what you can do with this. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm hella excited. I, I need to uh, find a, a, a connection to, for Voyager cosplay because I'll tell you what, you would think this is good. My wife. Good. Because here's what I need. I need a Voyager, I need Janeway's uniform that doesn't look like uh, it was made with a couple rags and fifty cents. No, yeah. no, we we spent over three hundred dollars for both for the materials. It's gonna you're gonna have to go to Etsy and all those other places now and yeah, yeah. So yeah stores. I've been looking and I haven't found what I'm yeah, looking we for. Went on, uh, we went on Etsy is where we got the pattern from, and then she's just sewing it all together herself. If she's got the goods and willing to do it, I want to talk to your wife. Hold on, give me one second. I'll uh, actually bring it down to me real quick. Ooh, like. cool. You just made a connection on this podcast. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> ship well, it, ship it to Barbara. <laughs> I'm a big guy, okay? So um, we wanted, we were thinking about this really hard to find cosplays for people in my size. So me and her have been mulling around the idea of creating a cosplay shop for plus size people, men and you know, That's nice. That's a good idea. While you're at it, will you do it for small adults yes, as well? Because tiny right, yeah. adults <laughs> have no clothes right. on. Yeah, no. My wife is, is five four. Like she's very tiny. Right. So, right. Yeah, so same problem I do. Can't buy clothes. Okay, so <laughs> and like you say, I mean, it it does take a while just finding the measurements, finding the what else you wear, finding other people you can pose it with so you don't go in alone, you know? And <laughs> I was so pissed when I found out how many cosplayers in my area were big NCIS and 24 fans. And I'm like, yeah, but will you actually storm with me, you know, looking like, you know, the various heroes or villains? You know, it's like, where are my other guys here? And the same thing with track is like, it didn't, it didn't fail. And everyone's cool with being just a random made up character, you know, in that universe. There you, uh, go. you know, a brigadier commander. All right, let's see. Oh man, did you use velvet on that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. We didn't we didn't use the original. They wanted like oh, wow. some bullshit. We were like, yeah, no, that's not the actual yeah, that's not happening. So what did you say they wanted? I couldn't hear. Uh, what did they want, Jack? They wanted wool. Yeah. Wool? Yeah, yeah they yeah. wanted wool. But man, yeah, you went. Yeah, I would have gone all with the way. Uh, for me, wool would be what I wanted. Um, mostly because so I she'll totally... be able to do it in whatever um whatever 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the interiors. Or gray, right? The yeah, interior. It's, it's, yeah, it's looking good. I dig the interior because, like Barbara was saying earlier, it doesn't look like one of those all uniform bodysuits. It does look like an actual shirt you could actually wear. You know? No, that's how I. So that's how I made it. Uh, it was uh, we were. She was. She started working, so she wasn't able to work on it as much. And once she she got done the whole top part. So me, I kind of looked at it and said, I rather it just be a shirt because then I can wear it everywhere. <laughs> so. And those yeah. who get it, get it. You can still go to a restaurant or something without being stopped by annoying people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not wrong. What'd you say? So yeah, I, I'll definitely do that. We'll, I'll, show, I'll, I'll get you guys connected on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that. I'm, uh... yeah, I'm glad something cool well, came out of this. <laughs> I, I, love, I love cosplay, man. It's what I do. So what we're doing is that she's going to get mine done. She got mine done. She's going to get hers done. And we go to music festivals every year, and we go to Renaissance fairs and stuff. Like awesome! That. So, yes. so now we, we want to be those. Uh, the music festival we're going to is called Lost Lands in Legend Valley, Ohio. It's uh, a dinosaur theme, like historic uh, EDM concert. So we're going to go as Starfleet personnel that got hit in a transporter uh, accident, and got sent back to the Stone Age. Yeah. that happens to be having this kick-ass rave. I did That's always get kind of a Star Trek cool. just from the first Jurassic Park, so even better, yeah. So we're, we're, like, we're gonna, we have try we're gonna buy we have tricorders that we bought that are on the way. So are you gonna, gonna say <laughs> that they are you gonna say that they look like the Gorn? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm gonna have it on my TikTok. Don't worry, we're gonna be sitting this there. Be good. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna have tricorders. We're gonna be making readings of the big dinosaurs because there's over a hundred dinosaur displays, um, and like several of them are like almost complete. Uh, complete sizes. They're really freaking big. <laughs> That's awesome. So That's I'm, uh, we're going to be doing that. Then obviously doing it at a Renaissance Fair because come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The Renaissance well, I've been, are great. I've been with... participating in Renaissance Fairs for many years now. We had, uh, well, except for COVID years, uh, we've been, um, gosh, I think I started doing that Just... when I was 19 or something. But yeah, I, I've been rocking Renaissance Fairs for a while. Well, Same saying, here. I, I did them yeah. definitely in young adult years and it was just interesting to seeing how everyone had their own special characters that you would commonly see every year i'm the dungeon master i'm the jester i'm the you know, so king of the land. Trek, uh, i was the pirate me and my wife or me and my girl pirates i see a lot of yeah, i saw plenty pirates. of people before the game of thrones craze and it's like yeah but it's so cool how there's all these guys inventing their own. It's like someone would come there with an actual eagle, you know? It's like that's set on their right, arm, you know? Right, because you're a badass guy who has an eagle. Like, why not? And where, else, where else can you show that off? You, you had to choose who you wanted to go with to those things. It's like, guys, you are looking and living and breathing just like these guys, save for the time when you actually sit down and, you know, go to the fair and eat some food. But yeah, bring some napkins, bring some rubbing alcohol, and tough it out you know this is fun it's, it's they do the uh, the jousting competitions yes you get, you get to watch tomato throwing yeah. right it's just really really cool and, and yeah. it's also why i'm not surprised that star trek loves to go back to stuff in our time in order we do that stuff now have to it just makes mm-hmm. i mean yeah it made sense from a budget version is like you could be in right. now but at the same right. time it's like show how it contrasts make it relate more relatable how right why why is I'm why are we having a what favorite episode was the what was it called it was called a fistful of datas oh, <laughs> i love that go. let's go like, back to the wild west oh right. and then we get to show off the galaxy con guy uh 
I forget his name. He's a comedian and voice actor, but he'll always introduce Brent Spiner as sometimes Zeta, sometimes Lord, sometimes a fistful. And he and Marina will always talk about that episode. They can't get away from it. It's like, it's like, it's like one fan was like, yeah, yeah. Troy never kills anyone. She's like, oh, I killed Data a bunch in that. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> that was I was I actually liked it when Diana got the uh, uniform. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I was I was very happy. Because the Robin Hood episode was a totally different animal, and this one was more is like, okay, we're comfortable doing this stuff. We we're all dressing up now. Right. Well, it was um the Star. I believe it was the Stargazer episode. No, no, no. no. <laughs> That was not that was oh god the star Are you thinking of one of Riker's more sleazy because it's so surprising how stingy the Romulans are. They're so homophobic. Like like, no, you can't have cloaking technology because we said so and our forehead riches are are deep. Uh, uh, Totally. Like it it's what famous celebrity who was a well known track fan are you surprised that Given their status as a tracker, that they haven't been on one of these shows. <laughs> hmm. The Allstate guy is a huge track guy. I'm sure there's plenty of other people. Really? Yeah. You want to so know, when I, he was I on wish... when he was on 24, and he would encounter people from that, he would actually freak out. He's like, "Oh my god, I'm about to work with Sons." <laughs> and the only other person I can't—I wish I knew someone that wasn't there. But Seth MacFarlane was in Enterprise. Right, he was. So I like to assume that's Captain Mercer from Orville now. No, right, <laughs> right. Like I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who I'd yeah, like to see get get her due in Star Trek is Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. She's a Ooh, huge Trek. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, needs, she needs to get in on that. You would have thought she would have been on there now. Yeah. But if you could pick an actor, all the actors you like playing in the TNG era of Star Trek, Trekkie or not. Who would it be as a captain? I would have at least Riker or Worf to get their own spinoff, which Michael Dorn's been trying for years. But uh, they could have done. <sighs> this is going to sound cliche. <laughs> they could have definitely gotten some other actor who is commonly leading a movie and just get him down there. I know Tom Hanks was supposed to be the inventor of Warp Drive, but they just kind of decided against Really? Him. Yeah. I didn't know that. In first contact before they went with James Cromwell. But yeah, I mean. What happened to it with James Cromwell? I love Tom Hanks. But... Yeah, he did great. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound cliche, but I'm going to go with Denzel Washington. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say um, uh, uh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson would make a great yeah, There you go. <laughs> well, and I'm going to say uh, Mary McDonald. I, w- Ooh, I would like to yes. see her get Absolutely. After- after all the great movies she's been in and after Battlestar and Major Crimes, I mean, yes. Yeah. She would make a yeah. splendid Star Trek captain. I mean, it was already awesome enough she was the president, but yeah. Oh, she I know. She to actually be commanding the battles and telling people, this is how you will act on the ship. <laughs> and that soft voice she does. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'll come after you with my geez. little eye teeth. Yeah, I could just, oh man. <laughs> you got an impression you that's what's also great about the show everyone has their own impression of all these characters that they've been seeing on tv every other year <laughs> there are some people that do some stuff on a star trek man like what was can, the rock in star trek <laughs> they can kind of do what comedian and writer dana gold does where he can do different impressions of people and playing other characters like i don't know if you've seen 
that impression he does of William Shatner if he was Dr. Zetas in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> impression he does. So it's like, yeah, he, there's a plenty of comedians who I'm sure could totally take on this challenge if so and so was recasted. <laughs> it's this character. <laughs> or on this kind of show. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. You know, Starfleet is terrifying. Uh, I like I said. Yeah. I, have you guys ever played Star Trek online by any chance? Not online. Yeah, I tried I playing some of the Starfleet academies, and I, I would I, play that. I, you guys, I would recommend it. It's difficult. It's very intricate. Oh, and I definitely would need. Good. If I, I ever made time for an RPG, it would definitely be first on the list. Where yeah, it's 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 well, all I do is I I'm, I have a five year old son. Um, I, I might I encounter work. you there. Yeah, right. I, I <laughs> guide me. And I come home and I play video games because that's that's video games that come through. That's what you need. Um, they are the ships are able to create gravimetric black holes in space. The, nice. the game is canon, like so. This is the only reason why it amazes me. Like so, you can you have trilithium cobalt photon go, go like. <laughs> You're talking nice. about torpedoes that explode like everything within a hundred thousand mile radius, <laughs> and it bigger than the everything. Genesis Project, <laughs> right? Like, and so I'm looking at all these weapons, and like, this, they have ways of opening up rifts in space and sucking ships through. Like, these are all things you can do in the game. Like, and oh, it's great. I'm really looking at this. And I'm like, yo, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is terrifying. Yeah. Like, like because it's you're encountering a bunch of geniuses. Did they build on the there. how credits are done? Something they always kind of imply but never really show on this. No, they don't. They don't because I don't have money in the game. Um, <laughs> and so the way everything works is like a side money thing. But the only real money that they have for currency in Star Trek is Earth has no currency. So I have no idea how like they get their things on the show. Like I'm like, how do they get contraband? Because William William T. Riker is the king of contraband. Right. He's I suspect going... it's the favor economy. I'm sure but, he. Uh, you owe for... people favors and you do people favors. Yeah, yeah he, I, he can't... I agree. But that ain't going well with the Ferengi. Ferengi don't give a damn about no favors. Well, but... you can't tell me he didn't go to Quark's bar and buy something illegal, technically. Yeah. Right. Well, he has. They have to have gold press latinum. Mm -hmm. That's that's the currency. So. How, Makes sense. <laughs> so, if you're, like, can they, they, they? And I don't believe it can be replicated. No, that was the point of it: is that Latinum couldn't be replicated. Right. Oh, Not just anyone can have it. It's kind of got like a password protected account before that was a thing. So, yeah. Right. So it's like, how are these? I, I agree with you, Barbara. It has to be a favorite thing at this point. It's like it's who I am. I'll be able to help you later. But some of the smaller stuff, like the Ferengi or getting a drink at Quark's bar. How I'll have to take you up on that challenge once in a while. Yeah, it's <laughs> be great. Yeah, it's. I'm. I was curious about that too. As well, Jake uh, Cisco says, "I'm a human. I don't have money, and yet Dad has a couple strips of gold pressed latinum hanging around." Oh, well, so. right, right. And I have a they're confession. Still, they're still eating. Like they don't eat at their replicators. They choose to go to little bars. Well, and I always have a confession, and this is what I always, you know, Star Wars is good for action, but track. I always just kind of. I wanted to just get a gist of, you know, you have the communicator, you know, on, on your suit. And I play, when I went to this one putt-putt center that used to be open back when it had it, I would always, before we went and got all hyped up, we'd go into the arcades, you know, get all, before we go and do putt-putt golf, 
and I would play the shit out of this Star Trek Voyager game. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I was just, again, blasting all the, you know, mutant aliens and the Borg and just like how to get out of the way before, you know, their shields adapt. Yeah, and man. I feel like you could walk around and just get a sense of which place is the, you know, uh, elevator in the future and which one's, you know, the sealed off deck, which one's the holodeck, which one's the dining room and which one's yeah. the escape shuttles. Well, it's, it's, um, the start, I mean, I, I definitely played a lot of to play the Star Trek online. There's, uh, like, so for TNG, there's a, it's all active in that. So, yeah, it's still active. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, like, some of the Gamma Quadrant episodes talked about Kira becoming Kai. So she's Kai Kira. Like, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. And oh, Starfleet became a captain too. Well, I'm just glad they didn't pass up that option because so many other fandoms and franchises did. They just flat out said, "Oh, I don't think it's becoming as relevant. I'm not seeing the numbers." And it's like, fortunately enough, someone was picking someone's brain at Paramount, saying, "You know, hey, milk it or right. not, right. there's milk a fandom out there that wants it." I, mean, I agree. But I'm glad that it's still existing after all these years. You know, when Me everyone just. Too. Seemed like Party some... second. I am grateful that Trek exists and is still being made. And uh, even if I don't like every single thing that ever comes out of, of Trek and don't necessarily, you know, we, like it's, like we've, we've mentioned, everybody likes bits and everybody doesn't like bits. There's nothing wrong with that. But I am so grateful that Trek is being made and that 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 looking into the future is still happening and that there are people still paying attention to to what this could be for all of us on planet Earth, you know. I've even as had to a, tell people, platform. yeah, I've even had to tell people is like, at least get a Blu-ray of the latest shows or discounted or do a free month trial of, you know, Paramount. And I've had trouble convincing people that just think, oh, it's a money-saving technique. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. Because guess what? If you look at the history of all these shows, they almost all feature, featured, you know, low ratings or creative, you know, gaps in the road. Sci-fi doesn't play well on TV. People just don't tune in. And it's sometimes it's the networks screwing around saying, hey, let's have it be on Friday. I'm like, no one's watching it on Friday unless it's something, you know, that you've hyped up enough, you know? <laughs> like, Fridays used to be definitely be my, we'd watch reruns of Star Trek and then on other night, Fridays, it'd be Stargate and Battlestar Galactic all night on Sci-Fi Channel. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> and very much part of everyone's world. And it seems like everyone's afraid to just you can have it all i still have a cable box but i don't fault anyone who cut their cable box years ago and just does streaming it's like choose how you want to watch stuff and don't deny yourself i don't watch it though but it's up there well and watch it though don't deny yourself a good time (laughs) you're not wrong you're right there is definitely good tv but every time i turn it on every now and again Oh, that, like, oh, nope, that's why. I, I've had to tell my sister that several <laughs> times. I will watch it if it's recorded. And I think that's the other problem, too. A lot of people would get cable, but they wouldn't get the DVR. I'm like, you need to be able to record this stuff. There's some good so, stuff on in the morning hours. That's, that's how I kind of got into Deep Space Nine and Voyager. You know, they start showing reruns on TV One and Spike in the morning hours. I'm like, I got to get know, to college. Um, getting back to what you were saying about. Uh, being happy and glad about more track. I got really lucky, man. I can only imagine like you guys had watched it when you were in the beginning. It got to yeah. uh, Voyager, then you, had, then you had to wait. <laughs> yes, there's I, a long wait. Yeah, there's a very wait. long like, wait. I thought Star Trek was over. I thought it was gone. Because right. right. as a kid, yeah. I mean, crazy. 
my, my dream as a, as a kid growing up watching Voyager was to go write for Star Trek. And then knowing that I was 13 and 14 and that I was not going to get hired right then as a writer, thinking Star Trek will be gone by the time I am an adult and able to go have this career. So I gave up right then and there. And now there is Star Trek. And now I'm thinking, huh. Well, make your, so you, I've got a script sitting over there on my whiteboard. You uh, could, I would love to help you. I'd love to help you make a web series. <laughs> yeah, uh, fan films are I, still allowed, and I, I used to I'm not making fan films though. This is this is a go big or go home. This is going to get made okay, by Paramount wanna... for real, or it's not going to get not going to happen. I'm not making fan films. Guaranteed. I, I, I have faith in you. You can do it. Pick a yeah, Golds. Pick a Kiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, or even uh, Jerry Taylor or Brendan Braga's brains. I'm sure they got yeah. some person. You know, we, you know we need to go to either a convention or you need to go to the um, not this year, but the, uh, next year. The cruise. They're bringing the cruise back. Yeah, it's, it's happening next year. It's already sold out. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so That's me and my wife awesome. are going two years from now. Once are available. So we have, so that's that's one place, man. You want to have a small envelope with a small description of your of your thing, your contact information, just hand it to put it on. Maybe <laughs> go after the main showrunner, Kristen Kristen Bayer. I'm sure she'd love to get, you know, hire some staff writers. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Man, I, you do that, don't, don't forget me. Write me a letter. That'd be some cool stuff. I mean, that was a thing back in the mid 2000s. Like, yeah, it people, was. People would say, you know, writers who were looking for someone to fill some void in between the important stuff on something like Jericho or Lost or 24. There's always filler episodes. They would go to the fan fiction sites and they'd be like, oh, this guy knows the show better than any of us. Let's get him for an episode or a producer credit because he contributed. You know, <laughs> Fans, yeah. man. Fans are amazing. Fans are great. In the, and I think Trek is... I mean, I've even had other pals of my brother who's not as big a movie buff and he's like, yeah, I've never had any awful incidents with trackers. I've had some bad experiences with aliens and Star Wars fans, but not not Star Wars fans are crazy. I don't know what's up with that either. I think everyone <laughs> just likes to argue. And trackies, they know arguing is illogical, so stop it. Right, it's no point to argue. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Illogical. You're right. <laughs> my friends uh we have reached my witching hour i need to feed okay. myself and uh go about my evening i have a whole bunch of projects and okay. a bunch of people who are calling me so you i want need to promote your thing real fast you want, want to your shows, you want to promote your shows real fast before we jump off <laughs> yeah i totally do all right so uh i would love anybody who's hearing this to come and join us in our community um we have a website and we have a facebook group and we're on twitter so it's called a watch trek look forward and what we do is we have watch parties and then we discuss shows and we will uh, we occasionally run conventions um they're also going to start very soon having what we're going to call uh, star trek science sundays and we're going to have actual scientists come in pick an episode and then give us a little talk nice. and then have an opportunity to talk about it with you know real people who are actually making science happen in the world um, the, the whole nice. idea is we use Star Trek as a foundation to build a bright future on purpose that we create, that we want. So we're a community who's going to do that, and, and we're going to have some fun along the way. So that's what we do. Um, so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We've got a website, um, watchtrek-lookforward.com. Pretty simple. And, and the and, Gmail's uh, there, so yeah, I, I definitely want to reach out and join that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come right along. 
be happy to have you. And it's only Sundays or is it? Oh, well, so we, we do um, mission events once a month. Those are the watch, we pick a theme and then a couple of episodes to go along with that theme. We watch them and then we talk about them and spend a, a, usually about an hour and a half talking about what we're learning and what inspires us about Star Trek after having watched the episodes. We do that once a month. And then coming up on, on we're going to do one Sunday a month. So we'll end up with about two events per month that are official-ish events. And we'll do the science stuff on Sundays. But we also do just rando Star Trek watch. Like this afternoon, I had a hankering and I said, I got an hour. So I got on our group chat and said, hey, who's around? Here's a here's a Zoom link. Let's watch some Trek together. And, you know, we did. And we do that whenever. Oh, it's all on Zoom? Nice. That's yeah, cool. yeah, we do we do this over Zoom. And I, I'm still trying to figure out that and Senior, oh, which is another cool. one. Are you able to like somehow share the screen with others? <laughs> no, that would be illegal, and we would get in big trouble. Yep. Gotcha. So we're watching yeah, it, and we're coordinated. responding. Yeah. We're coordinated okay. over Zoom. We are all in the Zoom chat together, so we can we can commentate as we watch and be together. But everybody watches on their own, and they're responsible for their uh, behavior on online or streaming or on their DVDs or right. whatever they like. And we have nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Keep ourselves safe from from bad accidents yeah all the other guys trying to ruin it ruin it i didn't think about that yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we don't we don't want to infringe on anybody's copyright we're here to have a good time and to you know essentially promote star trek in the world we want to share it with everybody not end Mm -hmm. up having some awful mistake and having a problem right don't give those guys ideas (laughs) this is also fun because prepping for this episode i did some research on uh, like getting some good kick-ass trailers and it's like these are some ones like oh man 90s retro <laughs> remastered videotapes of the first you know series see uh shows premiere this is like that was the first promo everyone saw <laughs> back in the day so it's been this is why we do these podcasts it's fun going back in time doing film history uh so sure. yeah Definitely... So thanks for having me. I very much appreciated it, and uh, this oh, has been fun, you know. And it's been right, great right. to get to know the two of you. And you know, yeah, you what rocked a, it. What a pleasant yeah. way to spend an afternoon. Absolutely. And, and Curtis, I'll let you promote your TikTok, and then yeah, I'll let Barbara wrap this up. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, my captain's handle on uh, TikTok. My name is at Captain Leon Seven Six Seven, and all I really do on there is just talk about Trek movies on here. I act out different scenes, different monologues, and different Ooh. cosplays. And uh, we also watch Trek while I go live. And so that's it's just a nice fun community. That's awesome, Chris. Cool. Yeah, keep sharing links here, and I'll, I'll keep promoting you guys. <laughs> Sounds good, Cam. We appreciate it. Anytime. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, 
Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 ah. good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am in 
the most sincerest of senses disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie to jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Sion. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steve and Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others? connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. 
I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, the life of Lydia Zemanoff, daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zemanoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet, and in the second half, 
After a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.